0: Block
1: Talk Radio. And a good Monday morning on the Change Montgomery County Radio Network. My name is Ryan Miner. I am your host. And this Monday morning, if you are not drinking coffee, you probably should be. I have the pleasure of having Matt McDaniel, who is a Baltimore lawyer, and he represents local businesses in lawsuits. and Matt is going to be running for the 1st Council District in the city of Baltimore and uh, Matt will be joining us right now actually. So I want to welcome Matt McDaniel. Hey Matt, welcome to the show.
0: Hey Ryan, thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Matt, you're a uh, a Baltimore attorney. Uh you went to Loyola Loyola University and the university school uh our Baltimore School of Law. Uh you worked in the office of the State's Attorney for the Baltimore City for Baltimore City and for a judge on the circuit Court of Baltimore City before serving as an attorney for local companies, Matt you're a Republican, and you were encouraged by the success of governor larry hogan um and look, you are deciding to jump in to this already crowded race, so Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself
0: well wow, you 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 got my biography down you you've you done better than I could you know <laughs> uh, no i <laughs> I we are real encouraging. <laughs> uh we're real encouraged down here. Governor Hogan won our district in in 2014. Uh it's the first time in about 75 years that a Republican has won a district in Baltimore City. Uh the city council has been all Democrats for the last 80 years. Uh so it it's a time when people are looking at economics, people are looking at their paychecks, people are looking at what they can do and what they can buy and they're seeing that you know it's time for a change down here. So we're we're very very encouraged uh that that we can actually make some make some real changes.
1: I hope so. Uh, it was, it's been an interesting year for Baltimore City and Baltimore City's council. Um, but before we dive into your platform and some policy issues, I want to introduce you to the voters. I want people to know who you are, what's in your heart, where you came from, and tell us really truly why you decided to jump into politics. Matt, you're a young guy like me. And uh, it's not always easy for young people to to get their feet wet into politics at such a young age. So I'd like to introduce you more thoroughly to my viewers and to the residents of uh, the first district in the city of Baltimore.
0: Well, Ryan, I, l- I like long walks on the beach, and no, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Um, By the harbor. <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, no, I. You're right. It, it, it is certainly. I, I don't have nearly enough gray hairs to run for president, um, but. I, I've been in the city since I was at Loyola and then being an attorney in the city working for the state's attorney's office working for the judge who is in charge of the criminal docket and looking at what, what, what we're dealing with in the city I, I bought a house down here I, I paid the property taxes I chose to live in Baltimore City because I love Baltimore um, but the problem is it's really unaffordable for a lot of young people and it's also unaffordable for a lot of people who are looking to who've been living in the city for 10 years for 15 years for 20 years and they're they're saying well why should i keep living here what what am i getting for what i'm paying and it's it's a situation that i think i, I know before we jump into policy but it's it, it's fixable it really is fixable but the problem is within 10 years there are a lot of issues that the city's going to be facing that that we need to take care of now um or else things are going to we don't we, we don't want baltimore to be on the cover of the new york times bad things anymore we want to see baltimore being a growing vibrant city we want charm city again that's what people want to see and when we when when we make national news we don't want to have baltimore be the face of maryland be the face of uh, a, a negative face for for uh for the state yeah so. yeah i agree um
1: and it's been a lot of negative information that has been filtered out not only through the media, but within the city itself and some of the residents. And there's a lot of growing frustration within the city of Baltimore. And Matt, I'm sure you were there as well, but uh, we, when the riots happened, we drove down because we had to see for ourselves what it meant, what this means for Baltimore city culture. And I, don't, I, I assume that that part of the, the city was would not be included in the 1st District. Am I, am I correct on that?
0: It, it, yeah, most of sandtown Winchester—that's that's on the other side of the city. My district would be Harbor East, Fell's Point, Canton, across the uh, uh, along the water, and, uh, up to the city county line for for Dundalk. It also includes Patterson Park, the industrial areas that are down there, um, as well as uh, Little Italy and mm-hmm. uh, some upper uh, Upper Fell's Point.
1: Speaking of Little Italy, Matt, uh, when my family and I traveled down to Baltimore City during the riots, it was the Sunday afterwards, so it was like the first weekend in May, uh, we stopped in one of our favorite spots, which is Sabatino's, and uh, that's, that's my favorite restaurant in the city. It has unique value to my family, and Little Italy is a really unique place, and I think it's one of the best Little Italys all throughout, you know, comparably to the rest of them in the United States. I think we have one of the best right here in Maryland.
0: Well, no, I, I completely agree with you. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm also biased, and I want to represent the district, but sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I it's 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 a terrific area. I mean, it's still that culture at St. Leo's. Um, you you still have festivals out there. You have the Italian you know the Italian festival. You have street fairs. It it really is uh, part of that Baltimore culture, that uh, small Baltimore culture that's that's remained very very vibrant in um, yeah. in the area.
1: So let's talk about the culture of the first district. Each each of the districts I, I see in Baltimore City have a different, unique identity, and I want to understand what is the identity of the first council district.
0: Well, the first council district is the most vibrant, the most growing uh, economic area in Baltimore City. It has the boasts, boasts the highest uh, growing GDP as part of part of the city, and it's really financing uh, most of the city's gains in uh, in property taxes. So it's uh, it really is a growing area, but it's also an area that has so much historic quality. I mean, if you've ever been down to Fell's Point, uh, if you've ever oh, been sure. to the Canton waterfront uh, with those kind of repurposed industrial buildings, I mean, it used to be it used to be the factory district. It really used to have um, a large portions of Baltimore's manufacturing because it was so close to the so close to the harbor, so close to the port. Uh, but now a lot of that has been repurposed for either residential. Or uh, be- larger commercial uh, industry, so it's it it really is a growing area. Um, it it's uh it it really is um, at least for the past I guess ten to fifteen years it's been the biggest growing area in 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 Baltimore.
1: Yeah, uh, and it and it certainly looks like they made a change in last year on uh, in in early November. Uh, on the election day, and they voted for Governor Hogan. And is that That's right. is that uncommon for the first district to vote for a Republican I think it's un- governor?
0: I, I think it's uncommon for anywhere in in Baltimore City, but certainly it is the first time. Now, remember, this was the councilmanic seat held by Barbara Mikulski. This is the councilmanic huh. seat held by Martin O'Malley. Wow! Uh, this was the this was the fictional uh, seat that was held by Tommy Carcetti in The Wire. So it's uh, it's it certainly is an area that we're just starting. Has, by the
1: way, I I have to mention incidentally, I am just starting The Wire, like after all these years, and <laughs> I, I have to tell you, I'm in graduate school right now. And it's like I shouldn't even be saying this on on the air, but uh, some nights I will watch The Wire, probably instead of study, in instead of uh, actually studying, which is a really bad thing. But I am so addicted to this show.
0: It, it's pro- it's probably the, it's probably one of the best shows HBO has ever produced.
1: I, mm-hmm. I I'd have to say, yeah. Um, so Matt, uh, we're looking at future governor uh, Matt McDaniel. Should you win this seat, right, or a future senator? <laughs>
0: <laughs> let, let, let's not wish all the harm on your guest you know I, let's uh, let, let let's just let's just focus on on trying to make baltimore better i mean no but it's it, seriously it 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 uh it would be a boon for the party but it would also i think open up a lot of opportunity for people uh for the people not just in the first district but across the city it's it's really not to say you know it would be great to have a republican in there but what would be better for people is to have new ideas and to have uh to have to have a city that actually cares about about growth and about people and not just careerism so i i've made the joke before I tried to meet the Republican machine in Baltimore City, and uh, I, I met with three people, and I don't know about any anyone else who's part of a Republican machine down here. So it really is a question of something that we have to grow organically, a very, very grassroots campaign. We have to get people engaged. We we can't win with just the registered Republicans down here, uh, all, you know, a thousand of them. We need to get on board with independents, with libertarians, with conservative Democrats, and even even Democrats who are you know, open to open to change. And I think there are a lot of them. They, they, just, don't, they, just, know, they just don't know it yet, you know.
1: Well, I, I, don't see it. I don't see you running it, and I've been following your campaign. I don't see you running a campaign that is based on just Republican ideas or, you know, trying to appeal to Democrats. I think you're running a Baltimore City pro-growth economic message, and I think that message is now, the narrative is way more important than ideology. And I think, Matt, you're doing a great job at that. Um and it's important that in these in these small races these uh municipal uh city citywide races is that you connect with people. And let's talk about uh your campaign. Let's talk about a little bit about um what you're up against. You're the only sure. rep- I, I you're the only Republican now as it stands who has announced his candidacy in the 1st Congress or 1st district. Is that correct?
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, who is the current incumbent and is this person running again?
0: no it's actually an open seat uh the former incumbent uh, jim craft uh has been serving for for quite a while he's generally popular in in the, in the district um he is going on i think the the word on the street is i think he wants to run for judge uh or run for another higher office uh, mm-hmm. somewhere down the line uh, so it is an open seat so it's a chance for people to really have their voices heard with new blood getting getting involved um uh, there are already five Democrats on the other side scrambling to uh, to try to find the best one. Uh, but at the moment, there is, and I'm the only Republican who is uh, who is looking looking at uh, looking winning this seat. Uh,
1: so I'm looking at the Maryland State Board of Elections. The filing you have is it Zeke Cohen, uh, Scott Goldman, uh, Ed Marcinko, and Mark Parker, and yourself. And uh, I haven't reached out to these guys. I am I I, I want to talk to them, but uh, I wanted to specifically talk to you first because I think that ha- you have a very unique platform, and I want to dive right into that. So sure. let's talk about some of the f- uh, four or five points that you are focusing on as you are talking to your constituents in uh, the first district. One of your platforms is business growth and development, and you write, while new business is an engine for growth, established businesses are the anchor of many communities, whether business. Is a large investment firm, or the local corner bar. As the councilman, you would like to see it as your responsibility to work with every job creator in the district to make sure that the city is doing all it can do to help your local businesses stay open and stay prosperous. And that message really resonates back to what, why Governor Hogan was so successful in his last election because he stuck to an economic message. Matt, are you talking economics, economics, economics? In your district with your constituents.
0: Absolutely, Ryan, and when I look at the budget, diving into the numbers, by 2022 Baltimore City will have between a $500 million and $750 million deficit. Now to put that in perspective, the city's income is right around $750 million, a little bit more than that, but so you're looking at within 10 years you're going to have debt equaling GDP and for the layman out there it's that's when credit ratings start to go down that's when the city will lose its triple a credit rating that's when interest rates will start to go up and that's when you have to start making austere cuts in order to even finance the programs that you want to have baltimore city's growth rate over the past 4 years has been basically zero in 1975 we had a million people in the city today we have 622,000
1: yeah it's dropped precipitously
0: be you can't be spending at 1975 levels with a tax base of 622,000. So what you have to do is there needs to be a uh, there needs to be population growth. The city needs to expand its tax base. Now, one of the big problems for the city is that the property tax rate and the personal property tax rate that businesses have to pay is nearly double or actually over double what it is anywhere else in the state of Maryland. It's two point two four eight in Baltimore City per every hundred dollars of value. To put that in perspective, wow. Baltimore County is one point one and Arundel County is ninety two cents. So when people are thinking about, let's say you're renting a, a space in Baltimore and you're looking at that and you're saying, Well, I really want to live in Baltimore, I like I like what Baltimore has to offer, but I want to buy a let's say a hundred and fifty thousand to two hundred thousand dollar house, that's an extra couple thousand dollars a year that you're gonna to have to pay. And especially for someone starting out, that's that's very difficult, and it's a, and it's a, something that they look at and they say, well, what am I getting? You know, are the how are the schools? What's the crime rate? You know, right. and then once ever once all that stuff comes together, I think it's a very difficult sell for individuals who are starting out or individuals who are looking to looking to invest in the city. And then with the personal property tax rate for businesses, it's it's about five percent. It's it's just a huge encumbrance, especially on startups. Uh, we have Johns Hopkins. I mean, nine out of the top uh-huh. ten employers in Baltimore City are either research or education and and health. And yet, why are we losing all of our biotech startups to either Boston or San Francisco? There's a billion and a half dollars of capital out there in venture capital, but we're not getting it in Baltimore. It's too expensive to start up here. So let me once ask you, you this. Once you start you leave. Yeah. And let me ask you this as
1: a as a Republican, but not only that, as someone who clearly understands economics of the city of Baltimore, how are you going to work with members of the council who will likely also be Democratic? How are you going sure. to insert your voice into that conversation and ensure that your ideas, and not only that, your I mean, we're talking about basic math, how will that be interpreted with an overwhelmingly what it could be a Democratic council? I mean, I, I, I see it I don't see the roots really being upended or shifted in this next election, but this district, your district, the first council district in the city of Baltimore, you have the opportunity to switch this because not only are you a credible candidate, but you have ideas that actually make sense that are kitchen table issues. But Matt, the question is how are you going to work with these Democrats that may not not interpret your ideas the same as you do?
0: Wait, so you mean the Republican, you know, jumping into the race isn't going to immediately transform the entire <laughs> city of Baltimore? That's,
1: that's right. crazy
0: talk. No, I I, <laughs> I you're you're absolutely right. And it's a question I get asked pretty often. Um how am I going to be able to make these changes or at least influence the discussion? And I think number 1 is I wouldn't be beholden to the careerism that's already involved. I think there are Democrats, I think most everybody who's involved in public service has some degree of being a halfway reasonable person. But once they get in and they realize, you know, play ball on this one, play play ball on this tax, you know, don't investigate this, don't push for that, and you'll get something in return. Like I said earlier, there's no Republican machine in Baltimore. There's there's not some, you know, cabal of Republican interests that are going to stop me from investigating and and auditing some of these programs that are getting millions upon millions of dollars and then don't Issue reports for months at a time, but beyond that it 's also a question of framing at the moment. I think the mayor wants to reduce property taxes uh, to her, to her credit, but it 's a pittance compared to what needs to be done, and looking at the actual numbers so if we can push it 's a really kind of a question of framing. if we can push for large scale cuts, I think it will give people reasonable people on the council room to say, okay, maybe we can move in this direction, take steps beyond the pittance cuts that are going to be made and say, well, you know, the Republican wants to make these cuts, but we're willing to, you know, go the extra mile to try to reach out. So in that vein, I think we can move the discussion forward rather than kind of the stagnation discussion that we're already having. So on top of that, I think we can also look to the Baltimore Sun, to WJZ, to WBAL, to uh, Fox down here and because you're that outsider voice. I mean, I don't want to say I'm the voice crying in the wilderness, but you know, you're you're the outsider voice. You can go to those go to those outlets and say, well, this is the plan. This is what we're putting forward, and we're being stopped by this force, that force, right. another force. And and once that stuff's brought into the brought into the daylight, I, I really don't think that the people in the city are going to look at that look at that and say, well, that's how I, that's how I want to be represented by people who you know try to keep their um, their dealings out of the out of the public eye. And if we can bring that to the attention of the public, I think not only does that allow my colleagues on the city council to be able to express their opinions more openly, but I also think it gives people the opportunity to say, you know what, I don't like what this councilman has been doing for the last, you know, 30 years. You know, maybe we do need some change. And, you know, whether it is in 2018 when the governor is running again or – or, uh, or in 2020, I mean, maybe we can get a few more Republicans on the city council.
1: Matt, let's move on to crime control and prevention. It's a big issue in sure. the news. It's a national conversation. What happened with Freddie Gray uh, uh, earlier this year was an unfortunate incident that should have never taken place. However, I look at this – I look from the outside, and uh, I'm just not sure that the six police officers are going to get a real deal or a, a – i i I don't think they're going to get a fair case in inside the city of Baltimore, and I don't want to dive too much into the politics of that, but Matt, what is going on with the murder rate? Why is it so high, and what can we do to build a better community relationship between the citizens and the police?
0: This is one of those questions where there's no quick fix. there is no you know light switch that we've just had turned off at the police department that we can just go in and, and turn it on, and then everything's going to be okay. For both sides of, or if there are two sides, it's more 30 sides of, of this issue in the city. There's no you know, um, ability to go walk in and say, that's the problem, that's the identifiable issue. There have been years, now decades, of either police mistrust or community problems with police. Um, I think there's a very, very... Um, important national debate going on right now about the role of of policing in uh especially urban communities but i think the the bigger issue and it gets to the you know question of crime and the question of the economics of crime i think for me it comes down to when it's easier and more profitable for you to go out and sell drugs than it is for you to get a job then you're going to go out and sell drugs let's say you have uh you say you have a kid let's say you have a uh you're trying to support your girlfriend or boyfriend and, you know, you you have uh, the guy on the street who's saying, I can give you $200 today. Let's say you also have a, a felony drug charge that you picked up at some point. Mm-hmm. It's not irrational for you to go out and sell drugs when you can't get a job. Um, violence certainly is irrational. Violence is a failure to communicate. It's a um, something that we cannot turn a blind, a blind eye to in, in the city. But when you're talking about the economics of the drug trade in in the city we can do so much more when we encourage businesses more businesses in the city more hiring not just uh, entry level jobs but jobs that have on the job uh training certainly in biotech and startups you have nursing assistants you have nurses uh not just white co- uh, white uh white coat jobs but you have um real ability for people to to grow their their uh, their business life to go back to that house where they're renting to buy the house, and then it gets into a question of ownership. I mean, if you are if you take ownership in your property or if you take ownership in your business, if you started a business, you're not going to you know just not call nine one one about the people who are yeah. sitting on the stoop at three o'clock in the morning. So, Matt, you know, I want to move the, on to police. Sure.
1: I want to move on to police relations, and and I sure. I appreciate your your responses. Uh, I, do you support body cameras for police?
0: Yeah, I I, I do. Uh, I think it's it, that's the direction that the that the city is moving. This direction, I think the country is moving. I think it allows um, us to, if an officer is telling the truth, um, certainly it reinforces that officer's position. Where it's been tried, you see far fewer uh, abuse claims being made. But because people can say, well, the officer actually already has that on camera, sir. No, you are you are not being. You know, this was not a problem. That, that you ran into, you know you started this, and the officer was responding in kind, I think it's it's the direction that the country's moving, it's the direction that the city's moving. I think we need to be responsible about it. It can't be uh, pushed as something that is anti police. we need to push it as being pro police pro accountability, and hopefully that does take or at least make steps um make inroads with with community relations to say no we're we're doing all we can and we want to um, we want to show you that this is, that, I know that as a council- we want to be accountable.
1: I know as a councilman you would have to approach crime holistically and treat crime as a whole within the city, but in within the 1st District, what are the major areas where you want to address crime specifically?
0: Thankfully in the 1st District, we, and I'm knocking on wood here, uh, we don't have um, the murder the murder problems that are taking place uh, elsewhere in the city. So I'm very thankful about that. What people in the 1st District are most concerned about are property-related crimes, uh, cars being broken into, houses being broken into, and in certain areas, uh, muggings or uh, people coming in from outside of the district and um, preying on people inside the district and then yeah. returning to whether it is the county or whether it is other parts of the city. So, I think the people in my district would like to see uh, the p- patrol rate increased, uh, not just p- uh, patrolmen in cars, but actually patrolmen on the street, the ability to, you know, know your patrol officer, knowing the officers who are out there, increasing the response time uh, for a lot of these property crimes. Again, it's difficult, I think, from a policing standpoint to say, you know, this is uh every single one of these cars being broken into is a critical crime but for the people who it's affecting those are the people who are you know paying the property taxes the people who want to stay inside the city the people who are buying new houses the people who are running these businesses so we really do have to uh, approach that with each and every one of these issues uh, needs to be addressed Uh, we need to increase the number of cameras that are that are on the street um, to identify individuals who are coming in and and their points of entry and how they're getting out of our district too
1: right Um, well uh, so yeah and and matt i agree i mean i think the number of cameras should be increased within with with what your budget can provide that's an important issue and i want to move on to another important issue which is traffic reform and in baltimore city like any major city they they you need innovative solutions and transportation solutions because uh you need to make sure that people in the city have access to to get to work to to travel about the city to enjoy the city's amenities with solid and reliable public transportation the red line is gone it's it's gone and uh you know like you said 15 years ago it may have been a great project but the facts are that it is gone what are some alternative transportation forms that you would push for as a city councilman
0: now i i know that the mayor came out and and said that the reforms that they're making to MTA buses to get the buses running on time was just a pittance, but I think it affects thousands of people and it's going to make a, a lot of people's lives better. So I, I do thank the governor and I do thank the Department of Transportation for doing their part to try to help reform the uh, the busing situation down here. And you're right, the red line was a good idea 15 years ago. It started at the end of the Glendening administration, and unfortunately, the the development in the first district didn't wait on the transportation initiatives. So you're right, it, at, at this point it would have been completely unworkable. But that doesn't mean we can't have new solutions, and we're one of the only major metropolitan jurisdictions that doesn't link up this existing transportation network. Right now you have a subway that's not linked to the mark, that's not linked to buses, that's not linked to any terminals. So what we need to do is a much simpler solution to try to first off link up the uh, mass transit options that we have. Once we do that, then we can increase, then we can build bus terminals. We can uh, also increase the number of bus routes. Look, there's there's no instant solution, again, for mass transit. Uh, we would love to be able to snap our fingers and uh, bulldoze, you know, an, an extra block in order to have a, a, a major thoroughfare. But it's just not going to work that way. Um, we need to increase, uh, actually increase development. Once those developments come in, then we can have more money in order to... Uh, reform some of our, our our traffic system. Um but at the moment there is no silver bullet for for uh, traffic reform in in the first district. Right. But um it does it it is something that I'm I'm certainly interested in looking at the innovative solutions rather than the people who are coming out and saying, well, you know, we need to build the red line. Well, you know, hopefully it, it's not going to come for another seven years with Governor Hogan being hopefully reelected in in 2018. It's not it's not a viable solution. So quick, a viable quick, solution. We
1: have about we Matt. We have about a minute and 45 left, and just a, a sure. quick, couple quick rundown questions. Um, I personally, I mean, I'm I'm not a Baltimore City resident. I do not support speed cameras, but I, I know some council members do. Do you support speed cameras for controlling traffic?
0: In in certain in certain targeted areas they're they're all right but on major thoroughfares they just cause more traffic. Uh, it's been used in the city as a as a as a uh, money money gain. <laughs> so, it's it, it, if if they're accountable and if they're put in residential areas with actual stop signs, then yes. But if they're put on major thoroughfares, I I wouldn't be in favor of that.
1: And the same is red like red light cameras as well.
0: Right. I, it, it, Again, if we do have them, uh, put, them in, put them in residential areas where you do have concerns about children crossing streets. But if it's, it, you shouldn't put them necessarily downtown or, or in areas where there's really no pedestrian traffic. It's, it's more to protect – we're supposed to protect pedestrians, uh, so we need to keep it that way.
1: Well, ne- and during our next interview, we'll get to education and uh, a few of the other issues. So I want to know where can people find you on the web?
0: Sure, it's uh, McDaniel for District One dot com, all spelled all spelled out. Uh, on Twitter, we are at MCD the number four uh, District One, and McD for District One. On Facebook, we are McDaniel for District One. You can email me at uh, McDaniel District One at Gmail dot com, and you can also find us on Instagram uh, MCD the number four all right. District One.
1: Thank you, Matt. All right, Matt. Well, thank you for your time. Best of luck, and we'll be talking soon.
0: Hey, thanks, Ryan. You have a great day. You bet. Yep, bye.